message in song, and we know again the Lord will bless it to all of our hearts. We're taking our Bible reading from the Old Testament and from a very familiar portion in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, and we're reading from the opening verse. I would, of course, like to congratulate those who decorated the church doing it so tastefully. And it's a very interesting thing, and I've been around a few, uh, the different harvests to see uh, the decorations that have been made in the different congregations. And this is exceedingly beautiful. We're reading from Genesis 4 and verse 1. And Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. While it's not in our message, Eve said, I've gotten a man. And there's no indefinite article in the original language. Really what she says, I've gotten the man from the Lord. And I believe that Eve actually believed that when Cain was born, it was the fulfillment of Genesis 3 and 15. As surely she thought she had brought the seed of the woman the promised Savior into the world. Didn't live long with Cain until she realized he was no Savior. And she be again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Abel he also brought of the first fruits of his flock, and of the fat thereof, the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tellest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be as a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. It shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Jordan. 
Amen. God again will add his blessing to the public reading of his word. Can we just bow for a moment's prayer? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks again tonight for the privilege of gathering in thy house. We thank you for the message and the hymns that we have been singing together. We thank you for the messages and song that have been rendered to us. And now as we come to thy precious word, we pray that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher, applying the word of God effectually to our hearts. Give to each one of us hearing ears and understanding hearts and wisdom that we might rightly divide the scriptures. We pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of every heart, will be acceptable in your sight. We ask this in our Savior's name. Amen. We have in verse 13 where Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. And the subject that I want to think with you tonight is that of reaping a sad harvest. The Bible reminds us that whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And if ever a man sowed what he reaped, that man had to be keen. Now many of us from childhood days are familiar with the story of Cain and Abel. But from the events of that day, thousands of years have flown past. And yet there are vital lessons that you and I can learn from the way that Cain took in life. One vital lesson is this, that from the earliest dawn of human history, two ways emerged, the broad and the narrow way. The broad with its wide gate, its easy road, but its bitter end. The narrow with its restricted gate and its sometimes difficult road but its glorious end. Abel chose one way, the narrow way. It produced a, harv- uh, a martyr, but also a glorious end. Cain, he chose another way. He chose the broad way. Tragically, it produced a murderer, a bitter end, and he was caused to cry out, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Of course, the Bible reminds us that the devil is a hard taskmaster. He pays bad wages, and the wages of sin is death. The Bible reminds us, of course, that there is a harvest to reap in everyone's life. Sow to the flesh, and you reap a harvest. Sow to the spirit, and you reap a harvest. Sow to the flesh, and you shall of the flesh reap corruption, so do the Spirit, you shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Paul, writing to the church in Galatia, in Galatians 6 and verse 7 said, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Abel sowed his seeds, his seeds of righteousness, and that produced a harvest of life everlasting. Cain sowed his seeds, sowed his wild oats, sowed to the flesh, reaped corruption, reaped destruction, and the chapter shows us the fruit of a very sad harvest. So much so that he cries out to the Lord, my punishment 
is greater than I can bear. I want to draw your attention just to three simple things regarding Cain as we think about it in the matter of sowing and reaping. We have, of course, the worship of Cain. You see, the central truth of Genesis chapter 4 is this, that God is to be worshipped, that he is to be worshipped in a particular way. And in the worship of Cain, we find there are three things clearly established. First of all, there is a place of worship. The Bible says in verse 3, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. He brought his offering unto the Lord. He brought his offering to some particular place. And I believe that verse 16 also shows that because it says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. He went out from some particular place. We are not specifically told where that place was, but there was a place of worship to which Abel came and also his brother Cain. God, of course, still demands our worship, and we should never be neglectful on that matter. There is a public place of gathering where we worship God. It was so even with Cain. But there was not only a place of worship, there was a period of worship. Because the Bible says in verse 3, and in process of time. Now the margin of your Bible will show you that those words mean in the end of days. That may refer, of course, to the end of a week of days, or it may refer to the end of a year of days, when the people then kept the feast of the ingathering, such as a harvest service of this nature tonight. It may point to their particular Sabbath day at the appointed time when God was formally and God was publicly worshipped. Of course, you and I know that after the resurrection, that changed from the seventh day to the first day, an appointed time of worship. So the exercise that we engage ourselves in tonight goes right back to the very, very beginning of time. But there was not only a place of worship then as there is today, not only a period of worship such as there is today on the first day of the week, and also there was a procedure of worship, how they were to worship God. God. God could be approached and God could be worshipped, but only in a particular way, and that was by way of sacrifice. Now, this story reveals something very, very important. Something that obviously the children of Adam and Eve were taught. Something that you and I were taught from childhood days, that there was a place of worship that we should go to, that there was a time of worship in the week that we should go publicly to worship, and there was a procedure of worship, that we should come to God in God's way. They had been taught that they could and should come to God. Those were vital, day, vital lessons that even the boys of Adam and Eve and no doubt others of the family had been taught. 
And we can look back and thank God for parents who took us to God's house, who taught us that we should revere God, God's day, God's law, God's word, God's house, God's people. We live in a sad day today when many young people are never taken into a church building, never asked to go to a Sabbath school by their parents, and it will one day produce a very sad harvest even in our province. We were taught a place where God could be found, and of course, we knew the story of Calvary from our very earliest days, a time in which we should come to God, and that time is always now. And can I say, if there's someone here and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, there is a vital time to be saved, and that is the now. God is in the eternal now. Man is forever living in his tomorrow. What he'll be tomorrow, where he'll go tomorrow, what he'll do tomorrow. God says today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. He says today is the day of salvation. We were taught the place. We were taught the time. Now, we were also taught the way to come. And that is through Christ who sacrificed himself on the cross for us. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He said, I am the door. Now, of course, that message today, many don't want to proclaim it. We live in a multicultural society when we're told that people of every religion will make their own way to heaven. Not if the Bible is true. Jesus said, I'm the way. He says, I'm the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And folks, there is no other way of salvation. There is no other hope of heaven outside the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Cain had been taught those truths. He had been taught the need to worship God. But that only have we the worship of Cain. I want you to notice the way of Cain. Now in the book of Jude, there is reference made to the way of Cain. And God speaks about ungodly people, even creeping in and deceiving people. Folks, never be deceived in any religious matter. It says in Jude chapter 1 and verse 4 about ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 11 of that same chapter, it says, For they have gone the way of Cain. And there's many, sadly, tonight, they have gone the way of Cain. I want to point out this, folks. When we look at Cain, his person, his way, we have to be clear that Cain was not an infidel. And Cain was not an atheist. Cain was a worshiper of God. The Bible says he brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. So Cain was one of those people who did come to worship God. And yet tragically the end of his life. He wanders the world 
as a fugitive and a vagabond outside the peel of God's redemption and beyond hope. There's many people tonight, and they are worshippers of God. But sadly, like Cain, their worship is wrong. You see, there's a theory propounded by many people that it doesn't really matter what you believe. As long as you're sincere in what you believe, then that is sufficient. Folks, that is a false doctrine. There are many people in the world, and they are sincere in their worship, but they are sincerely wrong. There's many a Jehovah's Witness, and they are sincere in their worship, but they're wrong. There's many a Mormon, and they are sincere in their worship, but they are wrong. And there's many a Protestant tonight, sincere in their worship, but they are wrong. And Cain was sincere in his worship, but he was wrong. Cain worshipped God and he brought an offering, but his offering was wrong, his way was wrong, his religion was wrong, and that was because his heart was wrong. And folks, we need to ask ourselves, are we those who worship God with our lips? But do we have a genuine heart experience of God's saving grace? You see, while it is good to go to the house of God and to go on a regular basis, the mere act of walking in and out of a church building would never ever save our soul. And there has to be that right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when Paul stood on Mars Hill, we read in Acts chapter 17 where he says, For as I pass by, I beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom ye ignorantly worship." And they were gathered at a place of worship, and they were worshiping a God, Paul said, they didn't even know to the unknown God. There's many people in Ulster tonight, and they worship a God they don't know. They know about him. Oh, they know that Jesus was born at Bethlehem, that he lived a sinless life. He went out to Calvary's cross and laid down his life and shed his blood, the ransom price of lost sinners, and believed that he even rose again and ascended up to heaven and will accept that he's coming again. But they don't know him personally. Friend, do you know him? Can you say with the Apostle Paul, who was converted on the Damascus Road and wrote to Timothy and said, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. The problem with Cain's religion, well, there were many problems with it. Now, the Bible tells us about the nature of his offering, why he was wrong, where he was wrong. It says Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. Yet the Bible says, without shedding of blood, there is no remission. There was no remission 
for Cain's parents in the fig leaves that they sowed together. Blood had to be shed to make a covering for Adam and Eve. And of course, to make that covering, God had to shed blood. He had to kill a beast. He had to fleece a beast and make a covering for Adam and Eve, such as Jesus did on Calvary's cross. We talk about Christ making atonement, and when we talk about making atonement, we're talking about making a covering. And the only way to cover our sin is in the blood of Jesus Christ, not by works of righteousness which we have done, His offering, of course, was the work of his own hand, the product of his own labor. Cain was the first inventor of salvation by works. And sadly, how many in our land tonight follow the way of Cain? Yet the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, which is very familiar, for by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Top lady wrote that wonderful hymn. Some of the words which say, Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling, not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. The El Moody traveling on a train, and the train driver was so anxious uh, to meet with Moody because he'd heard so much about Moody and about his work. He himself was a Mormon, and his whole intention was to win Moody over to Mormonism. And when he had exhausted himself telling uh, Moody, what he should be and how he should be, Moody simply replied, it's not what I do that saves me. It's what Christ has already done for me that saves me. And sadly today, there's many still a Cain cannot see, they feel it must be by works. And Cain made a big mistake. He ignored the divine Sentence recorded in Genesis 3 and 17, where God said, Cursed is the ground. Therefore, there was nothing he could bring that would be a sufficient sacrifice from the ground. Nothing in the ground could save his soul, only God through the person of Christ. So Cain's way was altogether wrong. He was wrong in his worship. He was wrong in his ways. You see, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, there is a way which seemeth right. And that's the way that Cain went, a way that seemed right to him. But the Bible goes on to say, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It seems right to many today, or oh, just to put emphasis upon what they can do, but not upon what Christ has already done. Could I say 
Is there someone here? You follow in the way of Cain? Hoping that at the end of the day it'll be all right? Friend, if you're not saved, it'll not be all right. But then I want you to bring you to the wrath of Cain because the Bible tells us in verse 5, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. You see, when God told him that salvation's not by your own works or anything else, he was angry. Of course, as many people, even in this community, if you said to them tonight that salvation is through grace alone and Christ alone by faith alone, some of them would be very angry. They feel they are living an honest life, paying their way through society, doing no one any harm, and that sort of a life is to be commended. But it doesn't merit God's salvation. And Cain felt the pain of rejection. Now, no doubt Cain's offering was a beautiful offering. No doubt he had selected it from the very choicest of the fruits. And no doubt it would have cost him many long and laborious hours of toil. And no doubt, I'm sure in his heart, he felt he was bringing his very best to God. And when he was rejected, the Bible says he was angry. Tell people in our multicultural society today that there's only one way to heaven, and Jesus is that way. Some of them will rise in anger against you. And yet, folks, the amazing thing is this. God still offered him a second chance. Because in verse 7, the Lord said to him, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now verse 7 has been a difficult verse. And there are different interpretations of it. And I refer to A.W. Pink here. And it says, If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Or a sin offering lieth at the door. Must remember that Cain and Abel they would have been tent dwellers. And outside the tent, there would have been lambs and sheep. They would have been grazing away there. And is God saying to him, Pink says, there's a sin offering. You can offer that and you'll be accepted. But if you don't, you'll be rejected. And isn't that the gospel in a nutshell? If we accept Christ, we'll be accepted. If we reject him, we'll be rejected. The gospel message could not be more simple or more plain. But Cain would not have it God's way. He was angry, and of course, that anger got out of control, and he killed his brother. You see, he was wrong in his beliefs, 
which meant he was wrong in his behavior. Folks, what you and I believe will determine how we behave. And what a devastating harvest it produced in this man's life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 10 onward, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth his brother. For this is the message that they have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain. He was of that wicked one and slew his brother. Wherefore slew he him? Or why did he slay him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. There's only one reason given in the Bible why Cain killed Abel. And it was because Abel was right with God. Now, sometimes Christian people, and they get bothered when maybe somebody says something about them, and they are ridiculed and all the rest of it. And they begin to look inward and feel, look, I've done something wrong or all the rest of it. No, no, friend be those who rise up against you simply because you're right with God. And Cain killed Abel simply because Abel was right with God and Cain was not right with God and God rejected him. And he would now be a fugitive and a vagabond wandering from place to place in this world in sustenance of his life. It is the fruit of his religion, a false religion. And folks, we have to be clear that our religion is right and that we have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, some of the saddest words that are found anywhere in the Bible are found in Genesis chapter 4 and the verse 16. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. That means that Cain was abandoned by God. The sad results of a devastating harvest, the sad result of not being right with God, is to be abandoned by God, and that forever, tragically, in a lost eternity. You see, folks, there are two ways in life, the way of Cain and the way of Abel. We have to ask ourselves, which way are we on? And one leads to the way of life, and the other, the way of death the fruits of a false religion with no possession. I wonder tonight, is there someone here? And maybe you're following in the ways of Cain, trusting, yea, on your own religion. You are taught from childhood days, right from wrong, 
Is that not sufficient? Sir Thomas Scott, an atheist, Chancellor of England, of course, said as he died in 1594, he said, until this moment, I thought there was neither a God in heaven nor a hell. Now upon my deathbed, he says, I know and feel that there is both. And I am doomed to perdition by a just and almighty God. That's how it was with Cain. He went out from the presence of God, out into a lost eternity, wandering in the land of naught, abandoned by God. Yet he was taught in his youth there was a time to come to God. And there was a way to come to God. But he didn't. Folk, there's a time to come to God. That's now. Tonight. If you don't know Christ as Savior, this is the night to be saved. You know the way. And that is through Christ who sacrificed himself on the cross for you. Gave his life. A substitute. Taking your place. Dying for you. Now he says, come. And him that cometh, I will in no wise cast out. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Cain wouldn't come God's way. Have you come God's way? And if not, would you come tonight? And come now. And folk, we need to come. And come with urgency. Because the Bible says, we know not what shall be on the morrow. But whatever we sow. We reap. Don't expect to sow. You see, there's people who believe they can live as they like, and then God, being a God of love, will throw open the gates of heaven to all and sundry. It's not what the Bible teaches. You need to come to Christ in simple faith. You need to come now. For we know not what shall be. May God give you grace to come as Abel came through the sacrifice of Christ who died for you. Let's bow together for prayer. Heavenly Father, write thy truth upon our heart. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the all-sufficient sacrifice, the one who bore the wrath of God for us, took our place died that we might be forgiven, died to make us good, that we might go at last to heaven, saved by his precious blood. Forbid that any should go the way of Cain, a way of salvation by works, but rather come to Christ, who offers as a gift eternal life. We ask this in our Savior's name. Amen.